Hey, this is Tom Church with Role Playing Public Radio, and I am interviewing today someone I've actually kind of wanted to interview for a while. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Uh, hi, uh, my name is Corey Bing. I create the webcomic Skin Deep and the card game Borogove. Nice. And okay, I didn't realize that was actually, you actually, that's actually a card game. Yeah, yeah. It's an actual real card game. That's what I was selling at TenCon. I did not even notice that, or I would totally have bought one. <laughs> All right, so yeah, I should a little background. Like, I actually discovered this comic like I don't know, years ago. It's turning because... ten this year. Wow! Yeah, November. It's turning ten. Oh, our kids grow up so I fast. Know, it's really weird to think about that. I've been working on it for that long. Um, and yeah, I actually yeah, I discovered it. Yeah, God, I was, God, it was like the early, like the mid two little mid two thousands, and you know, I. Web comics have they have kind of have to work hard to catch my attention because there's there's about six hundred trillion. Yeah, out like that's there. The, the, the both the the blessing and the curse of web comics is that you can like no one tells can tell you what you can and cannot make, but also there's like no barrier of entry, which is great, but also that means anyone can make a comic, and so you really have to work hard to get it noticed. Yeah, and but, but you know. I will say I just I think I discovered yours because you know obviously the role playing public radio we're all about role playing games and I I average like three a week oh, wow. so I I play a lot <laughs> and my favorite character archetype is the hero monster that's always been one of my favorite to play oh yeah I always love that but obviously since that's what I've been yeah like you know and then I discover yours like well son of a bitch I think someone's made one for me. <laughs> So I guess um, for those of you who are those who are not you know ridiculous fanboys about your comic, why don't you, uh, like tell us about the comic really quick for the listeners? Well, it's about Skin Deep takes place in a world where mythical creatures uh, exist, but they're hidden uh, they're hidden from the rest of humanity by using magical uh, charms and medallions that cast an illusion of humanity. So they're kind of hiding in plain sight, and they also have like little magical communities that are hidden in within like abandoned buildings and stuff where they can congregate and be themselves. And, Tower Theater. Yeah, Tower Theater. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so it basically has two different casts right now. Of uh, There's a, a group that take that uh, based in Missouri that is kind of more of the action-adventure story of a character who finds out she's, like, the last of her kind and has to kind of deal with that whole information. And then the other group is a bunch of... Uh, people live in a, they're called, the, the hidden cities are called Avalons, and it's one who live in a really big Avalon in Liverpool, England, and this kind of follows the day of their life. So it's like one side is kind of a slice of life with monster story, the other side is kind of an action adventure hero story. Yeah, and I gotta say, I think that's what I loved about it the most is just monsters chilling like we do. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things is like thinking about. If there were someone who like people who were like sapient beings but also weren't human, like how would they interact with things? How would like how would the clothing be different? How would uh, chairs be different? How would just simple tools be different and things like that? I was, I really like kind of just sitting around thinking about that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what got me. Like oh, it's like because you know I because I actually think about that kind of stuff. Like I have played creatures in games where I have actually probably bothered the GM several times <laughs> by like just describing. You know, just how I do what I do day by day. Yeah, it, it's fun. It's fun to think about it, and it's just it's kind of a fun thing to kind of sit around and uh, I'll just kind of like I think of things like that in the shower a lot, where I'm just kind of space, uh, staring off into space and thinking like, well, how would an animal that had wings clean their their feathers? Do they have a special tool for that? 
Especially if they've never done it before. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, Michelle, that poor girl. <laughs> uh, by the way, that was Michelle, yeah, right? Yeah, Michelle. I call her Michelle, okay. too. It's based off of a Beatles song, so... <laughs> oh yeah, that actually. By the way, I re- I read all three books you I bought from you. Oh great! Uh, just so I could kind of get my memory, because I've like, oh yeah, there was a whole bunch of comics dating back in the past that I should I haven't read in a while. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, that's and that that's kind of and I've actually wanted an interview for a while because also I'm from Springfield, Missouri, yeah, which is that's where orientation. Yeah, that's place. where the whole like, the the orientations crew, the main characters in the action adventure part of the story, they go to school at Missouri State. And uh, for a while, I tried to keep that kind of vague for some reason. Like I don't know why I didn't be. I wasn't like, well, I don't want to say exactly where they are, but no, they're they're in Missouri State. And yeah, yeah, you didn't yeah you didn't mention it until uh you know, after they got after they after uh they got back from telling uh, Michelle's mom about yeah, about yeah. everything, and then I see like. That's the Sun Villa Tower, right? Yeah, there. I, I, that's where I went to. I that was my dorm for a couple of years when I went to college at uh, Missouri State. So I wanted to draw it. Also, it made it easier for drawing because, like at the very beginning of the of the uh, comic, she lives in uh, uh, is it Harrison? Is that what it's called? I think. Yeah, so. it's been it's been so long. I graduated in two thousand seven, so just like oh, that's been a long time ago. But yeah, that's where I. I I, uh, that was my first dorm when I went to Missouri State, and so like it was a lot easier. Just like, well, I know what this dorm looks like, so I'll just draw this one. <laughs> and that's the same with Sun Villa. Just like, oh, I know what that one looks like off the top of my head, so I'll just draw that. Yeah, and actually, I didn't even realize it took place in Springfield until I saw some of that. Yeah, and then and that, the tower, like, like, oh, cool. the tower theater I wanted to make into the Avalon because I thought that was a cool. Because I'm like, I went like, dude, I went to a movie there. <laughs> I, I went, I watched Tin Cup with my grandmother at that theater. <laughs> So it's, I suddenly start seeing plays, and I'm like, actually, it, the fact that it was Springfield shocked me. I'm like, wait a damn minute here. Well, that was, yeah, that was one of the things, because when I was first making the comic and like coming up with the ideas for it, I was upset, because I, I, grew, up, I grew up in Missouri, and I just moved to Portland, Oregon like six years ago, so I spent the, the whole rest of my life in Missouri, and I was always upset that there weren't any any stories set in Ozarks or Missouri in general. And, and like, even, even when there were movies or something that said to take place in Missouri, it was really obvious that it would film in Missouri. And so I was like, I'm going to set my comic in Missouri. Cause that's what I like. And that's what I know. And you don't see many stories about people from the middle of nowhere. No, I mean, I, I think winter's bone. Yeah, like the, out, first, that, the first that came out like, uh, I think I was in Portland when that came out and I was like, Oh Yeah. It made me homesick to watch this horrible, depressing movie. And I was like, oh, but the woods, though. Oh, yeah. And, it, <laughs> and I, and I got to admit, like, even with the bad or the good, even watching Breaking Bad, like, <laughs> wait, this is about meth? Why isn't it in Missouri? I know, right? But one of the good things about living in Oregon is that this is the second highest meth population. So I got, went from one, one, one place where I can't buy Sudafed, and I moved to an, another place where I can't buy Sudafed. So it wasn't that big of a change. Yeah, I got to say, actually, I've... Uh, last summer, I went to Portland for the first time. Mm-hmm. I have to. I'm this, I have to tell you. I think I experienced the most polite rush hour I have ever experienced. <laughs> it's. I, it's weird. Like, yeah, like the, the the traffic in town is is about is like really nice, and usually it's easy to get around. But as soon as you're on the highway, it's like all bets are off. Everyone's forgotten how to drive. <laughs> I know, but it's, you know, I just I have been driven there from. Uh, San Francisco on a road trip, mm-hmm. and when I got and I was like exhausted and tired and wanted to just get to the Airbnb we're going to stay in, but then we hit right like great we're hitting rush hour but I was 
No one's honking. What the <laughs> hell is going on here? Yeah, especially when you're used to like the Springfield uh, traffic, when everyone is like doing a the, the, the Springfield left and not being able to to drive anywhere, and there's five lanes of traffic. Oh yeah, there's five lanes of traffic. One lane's going you know eighty, the other's going twenty. Yep. But yeah, and drive there like this is like I was actually uh, it was surreal. I I didn't know like I don't know if I like this. Or not. <laughs> like we had to change lanes and. Everyone wanted to let me in. Like, what yeah, I, the hell is this? I just expected it to be so different from like I knew it was going to be different. It's just because it's all the bigger city than uh, than Springfield and it's a different part of the country. But I didn't expect it to be as different as it is. It's very, it's very, it, yeah. It's it's there's a, there's huge differences between here and Springfield. And I I, I got to say, uh, yeah, Portland Portland impressed me. <laughs> I like I like it a lot. I. It started to rain today, which was very nice. We haven't had rain in a while, and I missed it. And I guess if I can say that, that means I like Portland. Oh yeah, actually, we had a we actually had a thunderstorm here today. That's one of the things that was a big difference is that Portland doesn't have thunderstorms. Like very often, like very very rarely, I'll I'll hear thunder. But and like in Missouri, like when it rains, like the heavens will open and just pour for mm. a day straight, and that doesn't happen in Portland. It just kind of drizzles for a while and then stops, and then drizzles and then stops. And I, yeah, and I, and I love that stuff you actually even bring up in the comic too. Because <laughs> I'm thinking of uh, you know Finn, who's from England, where it's kind of like I've heard rain there is like oh it's like clouds just park over. Say, okay, slowly, not all at once, <laughs> like a raindrop every five seconds. Yeah, yeah. Whereas here, it's almost like we get six inches of rain in thirty yeah, exactly, seconds. Exactly, exactly. That's when people, like, all my like my in-laws are, are they still live in Springfield. And like everyone, when I was moving to spring to Portland, like everyone in Springfield was like, "Doesn't it rain a lot?" I'm like, you, you, "You live in Springfield, Missouri, the the craziest weather in the entire country." Oh yeah, like six seasons in five days. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, and like, there's no floods up here. There's no tornadoes. There's no ice storms. There's a there could be an earthquake that could kill us all at any time. But that's also living in Springfield too. So, well, yeah. It- yeah, I, not, once again, I just love seeing st- like little idiosyncrasies from my hometown in a webcomic. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. I really it's really that. great. Yeah, it's one of my favorite things. Like, and even after I moved away, like I kind of fell in love more with the Ozarks and its weird eccentricities. Because like, like growing up, I didn't realize that so many people don't know about Branson, Missouri. Oh, and yeah. So I was like, you don't know about Branson? How do you not know about Branson? Because I just grew up is inundated with Branson. So I get to tell people about Branson and how Yakov Smirnoff is sometimes a teacher at our at our college and just different things like, like that. I, and oh, God, yeah. The, okay, the first time they went to the Springfield Avalon, the fact that you were mentioning Branson. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, that and yeah, Yakov and mm-hmm. Shoji. Oh, yeah. oh, my God. My sister was actually one of the, the photographers, like her college job, she went to the College of the Ozarks, and her college job was to be at the Magic Magic Manor, was that what it was called in France? Yeah. Yeah, she was one of the photographers there that would, like, take your photo for money before you go into the show sort of thing. That was her, that was her college job. Yeah, I generally don't try to get to Branton because I've lived near it and I really don't care for yeah, it. Yeah, no, it's, it's a fun place to go to every once in a while, but it's not something you want to go to. Unless yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. You. yeah I, my girlfriend lives in Seattle and we went to Branson <laughs> and she she found the whole thing very surreal. It's so weird. It's so weird. I love it. That's one of the things like I mean, like everyone says Portland's weird, but 
like people usually aren't aren't prepared for how surreal the Ozarks can be. No, it's it is bananas. And people come up to Portland expecting it to be weird. People don't go to like Mid Missouri expecting it to be as completely surreal as it is. I, I like that. I like trying to work that kind of stuff into the comic because it's some, there's some of those things you don't really expect and people don't really know about. And I like being like, hey, look at this thing. It's real. And I totally believe it. Once again, like, you know, Finn, who I love, who's, he's one of my favorites, by the way. I have to. <laughs> just because he was born into this. He's, I love that. He, you know, he's born into that. He finds Missouri utterly bizarre. Yeah, yeah. That's one of, the, one of the main, like, themes that I like to try to play with in the comic is it's like what, like, normal is, is, uh, relative to whatever you grew up with. And right. so like, you might think that like, like a guy who was born as a Griffin, he was hatched from an egg and he is <laughs> like seven feet tall and he has natural green hair, but he doesn't think that's weird. He just, he, he's grown up with that. And, yeah. and then, meanwhile, I'm sure like, you know, the, uh, the double bacon cheeseburger with fries. Yeah. Right. It's like, oh man, for por- like, like, yeah, portion sizes are so huge. And like, I actually added in uh, when I was in, in high school that we had to, uh, foreign exchange students who were from Switzerland and Holland and like they ended up in Missouri because they looked at a map and they saw that Missouri was in the middle of the country and they didn't realize how big America was. Uh-huh. They just take, take like, like weekend trips to New York and LA. That's why, that's why Jim went to college in Missouri because he looked at a map and he was like, Oh yeah, this is really close to all these other places. <laughs> no. and that happens like <laughs> yeah well you know europe i've heard the states you know you travel for an hour no one's speaking your language here travel for six hours you're still in america yeah, exactly yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh so anyway so yeah the uh like so 10 years like this comic is now 10 years yeah. old wow yeah i can't it's it's yeah <laughs> I, I gotta say, I noticed you know, the art style's got is I don't want to say improved, but know. it's changed. It's, it's changed. It's gotten a lot better. Well, also that's, that happens when uh, when I first started the comic, I didn't know how to make comics at all, and it was one of those things I'd been putting it off for years because. Sorry if you can hear my dog over here. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I, I I hear the pitter patter. Yeah, hi Tally. Uh, but yeah, because it's, it's one of those things where I've been spending years not starting the comic because I didn't think I knew how to make comics. And uh, it, that happened for so long that I realized that if I, if I kept on saying that, I was never going to learn how to make comics. So I just kind of dove into it. And nothing will make you improve faster than having to, to do a comic and have it come out on a schedule. Like when I first started it, it was twice a week. And uh, that just that I figured out things very quickly. And uh, that's why the, the biggest art jump is in the first book, because it's made me figuring out how I want to make the comic and how like the process of it and like what works and what doesn't. And it just, it, yeah, it's, I try to let people like, like, Oh yeah, I I don't want to start my comic because I don't know how to draw. I'm like, nothing will make you learn faster. Yeah. Learn by repetition. Right. Exactly. Um, and so I gotta say, like, so uh, is this on? Is that, like, are you? Do you use Patreon or anything like I that? Do. For I do. I do use Patreon. Uh, my name's Corey Bing on Patreon, and actually, Patreon. You, you support her. You support her now. <laughs> Patreon has been pretty much a game changer, really. Uh, I can make my rent and bills because of Patreon, and uh, it's 
I can't even fathom that. Like I can, I can do this full time because of Patreon and, and mostly, most of it is just people pledging one or $2 a month. And that like a lot of people don't think that's a lot, but it adds up and it really helps out. And I have a lot of other friends who are uh, full-time artists who can make a living because of Patreon. Yeah. Well, I said my, uh, like my friend Ross who does most of the work on the podcast, that's pretty much what he does. Mm -hmm. It's great. I love it. The internet. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. He he wouldn't, he he would never forgive me if I didn't ask about your experiences with Patreon. Oh yeah. It's, I, I like Patreon a lot. They're very, uh, the site is still very new. And so that, that has all of the problems that come along with having a new site. And well, they're, they're still trying out things and testing things and working out the bugs. Like, uh, I don't know if this has been rolled out for everyone yet, but for a while I had a problem with uh, content scrapers that would, uh, like, because when you pledge to Patreon, it won't charge you till the end of the month. Yeah. And so I had a lot of people who would, who would pledge for the highest tier, go and scrape all the content from my backers only, uh, uh, posts and then cancel the the pledge right before it it uh, it, would, it would charge them. So it, like I, it would say that I was going to get this much money, and then whenever the money came in, I was like three hundred dollars short of what I thought I was going to get. And but they finally fixed that where it's now. I don't know if it's everyone or if it's just for, when I started it. It was a, a it was like a, a test thing where uh, it's. When you pledge, it'll charge you immediately. So, like, I don't get those the, those, the content scrapers anymore. And, oh, yeah, and so yeah, and there's still and it's, there's still some problems with the site, but like they're very eager to fix it and 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 listen to people. And I like that a lot. And it's very easy since a lot of people are using it. It's very easy for uh, like if you're a fan of one web comic, you can probably go and get like five or six of your other f- favorite web comics and pledge like a dollar a month for them. Yeah, and uh, I, I've heard a lot of people I say that it is so nice to not have to deal with publishers to actually get stuff yes. out. I mean, I have a bunch of friends who work through publishers, and they do offer a lot of things that you can't do yourself. Like uh, uh, if you don't want to teach yourself how to like book production or uh, website creation or any of the stuff, because like when you're working it all on yourself, you have to like do everything yourself, which is both great and also. I have to spend a lot of time every day, like answering emails and shipping or uh, store orders and uh, managing inventory and all the stuff that's not art. Whereas if you are de- if you have like a publisher, then like they'll do that stuff for you. Or uh, for the like, exchange of, they can sometimes tell you that you that not to not to write about a certain thing or something like that. Like it's a nice trade off. Nice. It's kind of, kind of like it's a uh, sole proprietorship versus a corporate. Yeah, yeah, and like there, there's, there's, yeah, there's the the benefits and the uh, negatives of of both ones. Like when I, like if you're working for for a company, they do the taxes for you. You don't have to do taxes yourself. <laughs> oh, tax! Everyone loves oh, doing yeah, taxes. I love, it. I love my weird taxes. Oh, you know, forms you know forms that read like the you know the Voinovich manuscript. Yeah, especially in like like things that are like math that I don't know how to do, which is why I got into art. <laughs> yeah, but I said I finally I first went to college in two thousand and one, and I just now finally not you know went back and finished college algebra. <laughs> son of like I'm like son of a bitch. I hate. I hate non-arithmetic math mm. so much. It's, it's one of those things that, like, 
I can retain just long enough to be tested on. And then as soon as the test is over, it is all flushed out of my brain and replaced with like Animorphs factoids or something. Oh yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like my brain's like, all right, I'm going to give you, I'm renting you this space yes, for the right. test, but that's and it. And you're, you're, and then you're immediately forgetting it all. And you're replacing it with, with lyrics to Weird Al songs instead. I, uh, I, by the way, uh, I, I love the, you know, the giving, giving Jim the Polka <laughs> Party cassette tape. <laughs> Yeah, that was, uh, that's, uh, that's, you know, I, it's not like I have a playlist on my computer of all of the Weird Al polkas or anything. I, I don't know. I just, that was just a funny thing. I don't know where that idea came from. It's not like I listened to Weird Al on the regular or anything. Yeah. So anyway, um, I'll say, Bay, I'll back, I, I'd ask, uh, so I don't know. I, uh, do you, you ever role play at all? I, I've actually done it like once and, uh. It was fun, and I did it. I had a lot of time. I have a bunch of friends who role play regularly. I keep. I have a bunch of friends who keep talking about it, but then like we're all busy and we forget. And uh, it's for like the same reason why I don't play a lot of video games because like every time that I'm not working, I I have a like a guilt in the back of my head going, "You could be working right now. You could be working right now." But I like I like listening to people play role playing games. And I like watching other people play. Right. I, I haven't really done a whole lot of it myself. Because I gotta say, uh, like I, I ever since I started reading, I've been thinking of trying to do a game based. Yeah, on that'd this. be awesome. I mean, uh, I'm not much. I haven't. I've written scenarios mainly, and mo- but most of mine are like pulpit, uh, you know, horror adventures <laughs> in World War II. <laughs> yeah, the ones that I that I have the most interest in playing are like uh, the uh, like the Arkham sort of horror games. I think those. Oh. Oh, you'd fit right in. Yeah, with us. those are those those are the ones that interest me the most. All right, the one the one I played was a survival horror in space where I was a bee person, and I like that. That was fun. <laughs> like that's actually that is an awesome sentence. I think people should <laughs> I should use more. I was a bee I person. I was a bee person space. in space. Um. So and uh, I know you. Yeah. So the the comic is a, there's a lot of mythology involved. I guess it's from all different types of cultures and everything. Uh, like so, like, I know the, obviously there's a uh, a lot of Greek in there. Hello. But but you use a lot of oh, different. Sorry, stuff, you broke right? up a little bit. Oh, I was thinking talking about yeah. You use a lot of different mythologies, yes, don't yes. you? I, I I love mythology. It's well. So which like what what are some of them you've used? Um, it's primarily like European mythology and Greek mythology. That's what I'm most familiar with. But I have as as the story's been going on, I've been trying to branch out into more interest, like not interesting, but more unheard of uh for at least for like western uh civilization unheard of kind of mythologies and it's the same kind of reason the reason why i set the comic in uh or part of it at least in ozarks is because i like finding weird facts that a lot of people don't know about and then like being like hey look at this thing that's a real thing that happens like i like, like momo yeah like the momo is a uh a, a, a real Missouri folktale that I like to tell people about. I just learned the other day that there was a, in uh, the six flags in St. Louis had a ride called Momo the monster in the seventies. Yeah. I just found that out yesterday. I was like, what? I didn't know that. But yeah. And then like, uh, uh, or like I said that my third book in, uh, dog patch in Arkansas, the abandoned theme park in, uh, Arkansas based on, uh, little Abner comic books. Cause I found out about that. I was like, that's really awesome. I want to do right. something with that. 
Like that's to, like that's totally got to be a place. Yeah, and then same with like the Avalon in in Liverpool. I I said it in the Stanley Tobacco Warehouse, which is one of the biggest. Uh, well, it was abandoned when I started the comic. They are actually renovating it into apartments now, but it was this huge abandoned uh, warehouse from the 1900s that was like 14 acres of nothing. And I was like, that's a, that's a really cool building. I want to use it for my comic. And it's the same with myth- mythical creatures. Like I'll, I'll run up ac- across some weird things like, oh, there's a bunch of different kinds of griffins. I want to show everyone what an appendicus is and what uh, a reverse griffin is. And just like, yeah, just weird things. Like the difference between a fawn and a satyr. And like, and, and a nixie is not a mermaid. Yeah, a nixie is a Germanic water spirit, not a mermaid. And uh, I actually, I actually have a notebook where I've been like working on ideas for a game based on this. Mm-hmm. I got a lot of weird ideas for like because <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm thinking of places like the Chernobyl exclusion. Zone. Oh yeah, that'd be an awesome place to set something. Because you know, it's you know, no one's going there. Yeah, yeah. I like, I like thinking of like where the abandoned places of the world are that you could put like a, a, a hidden city that no one will notice. But yeah, you know, or like one that's one that's flash frozen in the 1980s. Yeah. With it, like, oh, what's that place called? In I used to know the name of that town. In oh, right near uh, Pripyat. Yeah, yeah, Pripyat. I love those pictures. I I, I get kind of obs- I fall fall down holes of looking at like abandoned buildings and just like forgotten spaces. And uh, another thing I, I gotta say I really loved about it is magic and technology can work just fine around each oh, other. Yeah. <laughs> That was the big thing that annoyed me uh, when I, because I was a huge Harry Potter fan, of course, because I grew up in that time period where if you're or it's the right age and right time for Harry Potter, I loved it, but I didn't understand why you couldn't have magic and technology at the same time. And so I was like, well, why would I do my story? I want to have both. And I, because I think it leads gravitas to why these mythical creatures actually fear humanity. At first, there's billions, and as you say, we have bombs. Yeah. <laughs> And we tend to explode things that we don't – we find scary. Yeah, yeah. Like that's the main thing with uh, like the whole being afraid – like fear of the of what you don't understand. And in the comic, I have a lot of the, the, the characters, non-human characters, act like it's a human-only sort of thing to fear what you don't understand. But in reality, it's kind of just a thing that everyone has. If you don't, if you, if you don't really understand what's going on, you, kind of, you tend to fear it and – I don't. I want to show that people that you don't have to fear new things. No, and I and I love that it's like yo, yeah, we have like we have like powerful magic. Like we have a Minuteman too. <laughs> like in the end, I think our fireballs yeah, right? are bigger. It's like yeah, you have a you have a Nemean lion that has invulnerable skin, but still you've got like a nuke <laughs> or an M1 battle tank. Yeah, it's still. I mean, it's, it might not kill it, but it's not going to feel great. And uh, I gotta say though, like, uh, yeah, once again, I, I think with our, the way role playing public radio is, I'd be remiss. Like, do you ever use anything from Lovecraft mythos? I don't actually. I, I that's one of the, my areas where I haven't uh, studied a whole lot. But uh, I've been reading kind of not not. I'm trying to think. Like, I've been kind of paying attention to it a little bit more. I haven't really gone full deep into the Lovecraft mytho- mythos. I like. Some of the ideas I like, like the whole, like basically everything that was used in Hellboy from Lovecraft, I'm really into like the whole old ones and ancient gods and all of that. Yeah. I haven't really figured out how to exactly uh, incorporate that into my existing comic, 
So that's one thing. It's hard to kind of when you're dealing with something like uh, like ancient evils and just like huge life altering magics and stuff like that. It's hard to figure out how to how exactly to incorporate that sort of mythology into an existing thing. Yeah. Which is fun. Like, it's fun to think about. It's fun to try to figure it out, but I haven't really figured out a great way to do it yet. Yeah, it's kind of like things that you know humans actually really can't just can't per- yeah. perceive with our senses. And like, like it's one of the same one of the same reasons why like I don't have a lot of uh, human based mythical creatures in my comic is like I like a lot of the mythical creatures like most of them are animal based because that's what I wanted to draw mm-hmm. uh, uh, to start with. And it's like and a lot of the monsters in Lovecraft horror are they're not animal. But they're also not human, and they're just kind of like these unknowable monsters. That's hard. It's it works easier to read about them than it is to actually draw them because once you once you put form to it, it's like oh yeah, that's that's that thing. It's not like some unknowable horror anymore, and it kind of loses yeah its coolness. I, I think if it's because your creatures, they they look like things that belong on Earth. Yeah, and yeah, and Lovecraftian monsters absolutely do not. <laughs> I know because I honestly like a lot of my notebook that I was planning a game for this. Like, yeah, I'd probably have, I probably would have some mythos stuff in there because they're <laughs> they're just so great for, you know, for things to threaten your players. Yeah, with. yeah, and, and and like I have put some certain rules with Skin Deep. Like I did, I I've said that vampires and werewolves don't exist, and that's only because not because I hate vampires and werewolves, only because I've seen it done a million times. And I like if you want. Werewolves and, and, and vampires, there's a whole bunch of other places you can go to for that. And I want to focus on the weirder things that people really haven't heard of that much. And like, and like Cthulhu is in a lot of stuff. And uh, it's cool. I like Cthulhu. I like Lovecrafting stuff. But it just with, with the world I've set up, it's not really – it wouldn't really mesh super well. Well, yeah, vampires, I, don't, I think the only undead thing I've seen has been the dog. Oh, yeah. The, and also the Momo is technically undead. Yeah, it's the undead Missouri monster. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, but it's, by the way, which yeah, the I love the ghost dog. I that love, was... I love her. She's my favorite. She's one of my more blatant Beatles references because she's basically just straight up Paul McCartney's old English sheepdog, whose name was Martha. <laughs> whose name was Martha. Nice. <laughs> I learned a lot. I was very super into the Beatles when I was uh, in like late high school, early college. And so, and that was also when I was coming up with the backbone of skin deep. And so there's a lot of stuff left over from that, that you can see if you're looking for it in the comic of just weird, like, Oh yeah, I used to be super into that. And I I think it does fit because I think, I think to me, like having vampires in this comic, it would kind of be out of character for it. Yeah. I I try really hard because it's insane with like, a lot of people ask me if I'm going to have like giants or fairies or goblins, orcs, And I like while those things could fit like fairies and stuff could definitely fit. But if I did fairies or if I did uh, hobgoblins, because I mean, bugbears are technically hobgoblins. And if I did, like I would try to find a weirder version of them to uh, to d- display rather than like yeah. familiar with. <laughs> and also like like in like dwarves and elves and stuff. And like if I did try to fit that into skin deep, I would have to find like a weird, obscure, like like a Scandinavian mythology or something to base it off of, rather than like a Tolkien version. Yeah, except for New Zealand, that's probably they're all over there. <laughs> no, because I I think like a lot of comic comics I've read, like they don't seem to have their mythology down. 
it's it's a it's a very uh it's a delicate balance really because like one area that i still have trouble very carefully balancing is uh the comic has like angels and demons in it but i don't really want to get too far into like like is this ruled by a christian god is it's like the rule is like hell a real thing is like I try to base it more like the whole uh, with the demons. I base it more off of like the Dante's Inferno sort of thing, which is like Dante's Inferno is definitely Christian based, but it's also based on a whole bunch of other mythologies versions of like uh, an afterlife. But it's hard to when you start mixing and matching. Like if I wanted to go into like uh, like Hindu mythology or uh, a lot of different Asian mythologies, it's hard to get like the God areas of those to mash up in a way that doesn't, doesn't feel like a big mishmash of grossness. Well, while also being uh, sincere to the, uh, the source material and trying to uh, like, I don't want to, it's one of the reasons why I don't do a lot of Hindu mythology is because there's still a lot of Hindus in the world. And I don't want to be like, Oh yeah, your, your, your religion is really great. Let me take this and that and this and that. And now it's in my comic book. You're welcome. And I try to be, I just try to be really uh, as respectful as I can with a lot of uh, non-European mythology. Yeah. And also let's avoid, let's, let's avoid controversy because I really don't want to have to deal with that 24 <laughs> seven. That too. I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily want to avoid controversy. I just want to make sure that I, I'm not like, I, I just don't want to just stomp all over someone's heritage or something. True. Yeah. I don't want to, like, I love all my readers and I have readers from all over the world and I don't want to be like, Oh yeah, your, your culture is really cool. Let me, let me cherry pick from it and then not actually do any research on it. And now it's in my comic and it's been all bastard, bastardized. You're welcome. <laughs> it's like, I did say like, it's all gift wrap for you. Yeah. Yeah. And like, that's one of the reasons why like, I try, I've been trying to put more diversity into the comic like as it's been going on, because when I started off, it was all like white people with from European myths, and I've been trying to diversify more. But with that, I've been trying to uh, be more conscious of like implications of different things. Like I don't want to be like, oh, here's this one from from this mythology and this one from this mythology, and I didn't do any research on it, but it looks cool. <laughs> and I have to say, there's another thing I really love is I think I, I'm going to gush over the comic again. <laughs> <laughs> Bear with me. <laughs> But um, I think what I love is you actually. I think you write well. The mindset of someone who's immortal. Oh, thank you. I I was so yeah. worried about Ravi's character. He's one of the characters that I've had mm-hmm. since before the comic started. And right before he showed up in the comic, I did a big, huge overhaul of his design. And a lot of the stuff I had from the very beginning of the comic, I had to really like redo a lot of because I learned a lot of stuff storytelling wise. And so I was very nervous putting him in the comic because he was something I hadn't done before and I was afraid people were going to misunderstand him or uh, think I was, I was like stereotyping since he's, since he's Indian, I didn't want people to think I was stereotyping him or that because he's immortal and he has a different outlook of life that I think that like, I don't know, just, I didn't want people to misunderstand him or misinterpret him in any way. And so I'm really excited on the people, the, the, the reactions to him. Oh yeah, it's because yeah, like they see the world differently. Yeah, yeah. I've always been really interested in that, and like if you lived, if you had a different lifespan, you would look at things a lot differently. I think uh, Mass Effect did that really well in uh, that the Mass Effect series, since you had like Solarians live, only lived to be thirty, and like Asari lived to be a thousand years old, and their whole like their whole point of view and uh, reason for doing things and 
priorities are completely different. Oh, yeah, Solarians always seem to be in a massive Yeah, story. yeah, because they have to do as much as they can before they die. And that's what I was, one thing that I liked about thinking about uh, Ravi is that he's been alive for a long time. So, like, he's not going to form the kind of social graces that someone who has to deal with, like, being alive around people for... Because if, if, if Ravi insults someone or if he doesn't understand something, like, he just can wait for a century and then there'll be new people. And you won't have to worry about, worry about it anymore. So, yeah. And it's, I actually got to thinking about that. It's that's, It actually made me think of a horror movie that came out recently with Henry Rollins <laughs> called uh, He Never Died. Oh, I don't know if I've seen that one or not. It's it's on Netflix. It's uh, he. Let's just say he plays someone who has lived a very, very long time. I, I just looked it up. I saw, saw that on Netflix. I haven't watched it yet, though. And it's I love the way like the way he plays him is so great. It's that you know, at some point someone you know, says like you know, a daughter he had with a woman has been kidnapped and like you know if you don't show up you know she dies and he's just yeah everything dies <laughs> yeah right yeah he just hangs up the phone and goes I back like to that bed a lot and it's just, I did the same thing with a uh, like Gabe's character where Gabe's been alive a long time and I also really like like uh, historical depictions of angels mm-hmm. being like just weird, creepy, scary. That's creepy, but like just scary. Yeah. Weird androgynous yeah, kind of and, yeah. and scary and have like, there's a reason why like in the Bible, they're always saying like, be not afraid because they're terrifying when you first see them. And, and I kind of like the idea of someone who like, who is, who is inherently a good person, but doesn't have to like that. And is like, you're going to do the right thing, but you, you can be a piece of shit about it. I'm sorry if, if I can curse or not. Oh no! So we, uh, I just say no. We fucking curse all the time. It's great. I like the idea of someone who's really surly and mean and grouchy, but is inherently a really good person, and but also has been alive so long that they don't care about what you have to think about. Yeah, I, I mean, is, I get a very strong Metatron from Dogma. A lot, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a little Alan Rickman there. <laughs> You're not, wouldn't be totally wrong. But yeah, it's so many, you know, it's, I, I think that's kind of why I, I really don't like a lot of vampire stories because it's, you have all these like vampires that have been alive a thousand years, but they're just really like us. I like a lot of different vampire stories. It's just that I have to work really hard to make mine something that hasn't been seen before. I feel like like that's that's been something that a lot of people have worked with and have done a really cool, a lot of cool uh, different things with, but it's just not. Not what I want to focus on. And, like, there's a lot of different things that I have a lot of interest in. Like, I really I really like survival horror and I really like, like, sci-fi and things like that. But, like, I wouldn't really be able to work in a sci-fi story into the world that I've made. No, this is firmly grounded yeah. in the hero. Which is another reason why I wouldn't really be, like, why, like, Lovecraftian imagery doesn't work super well. Just because there's a lot of, like, space and unknowing terrors and, and different dimensions and things like that that... Just I I could probably do it if I worked really hard, but I'd have to work really hard. <laughs> yeah, that's another reason I, I I like to make this make a game in there is that yeah you can now take things that are traditionally vampire and make them something worse. Yeah. Like you could take Vlad Tepish, who everyone oh, thinks yeah. is Dracula, <laughs> and actually make him something far worse. And that's one of the things we did with like uh, with bugbears, which is one of my favorite creatures. Which I actually didn't uh, didn't discover bugbears. One of my friends uh, who when I was Creating the comic, I had a couple of friends that were helping me out with it, and uh, uh, my friend Sha- uh, Sh- uh, Shana found 
bugbears. And usually, like, in, like, D&D and stuff, they're just, just kind of portrayed as being, uh, like, kind of orcs and other, or, like, giants or something like that. But making them just horrible monster bears was what, and, like, because, like, the original, the original mythology behind them is that they're just hobgoblins that scare children, uh, runaway children into going back to their homes. That's right. all that the, that the mythology really says about them. And so it's like, I can make them this horrible nightmare bears who are, who are inherently good people, but are terrifying and love to scare people and be jerks. And I love, actually, I love the idea, like as a character, as a person that knows they're terrifying and actually kind of enjoying. Oh yeah. I have, and like, I, one of my favorite things is like Halloween and scares and everything. And like, I like to be scared and I like going to haunted houses and stuff. And when I, and because of that, I had a lot of friends who really delighted in every time I went to a haunted house, they really delighted into scaring me as much as possible. And so like, that's the kind of attitude that I bring with the bugbears is that someone who just loves to just, just mess with their friends and freak them out and then have a good laugh about it. Yeah. Like those are among my favorite types of characters. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, like um, like one of mine, like a, a character I've had in so many games has been. Uh, I mentioned to you my my ghoul Grunval. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he you know he he knows he's terrifying and he he eats rotting human corpses. <laughs> but you know he also yeah he so he loves to you know just make you know make jokes about eating people. Yeah, that's kind of my my whole nod to like the Adams family right there is like people who. They act super, super normal about things that if anyone else were to see, would be like, that's horrifying. Like, no, this is just, this, this, just the way things are. I eat people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. And uh, so uh, that's why I, I by, thank you again for that. I've always wanted to see, I, ever since I read it, I thought Grunwald would look kind of like, I'd like to see how he would look in this, <laughs> in your style. Yeah, that'll, that'll be fine. I have like, I have a couple commissions ahead of, of yours, but I'm excited to get to yours. <laughs> That's yeah. He's one of my. Uh, he's actually one of my favorite uh, characters. In fact, someone else took one of my scenarios with him and ran it in his own game. And this was a Call of Cthulhu game, so you know it's it's horror, but it's essentially a. It's when he first showed up when he was helping the Nazis decipher some scrolls in exchange for, you know, being fed. <laughs> and then he realizes, oh, these scrolls are something you guys really should. Oh, you're going to keep doing it, okay. <laughs> And so he actually helps the players out. So it's a it's a Lovecraft monster that actually willing to help the players. And at the end of a game, someone else ran. One of the characters, as he left, said, "There goes a goddamn hero." <laughs> I I yeah, I love the heroic monster so much. That's one of the things. Uh, another thing that I like about uh, Skin Deep Two is that one of the things, one of the tiers on my Patreon, which is also what I'm I'm going to be drawing for your character, is that. Uh, like people will just give me a character to draw in a skin deep style. And a lot of times people will go and do their own research and find a really obscure uh, mythical creature that I'd never heard of before and give it to me. And it looks like it fits perfectly with skin deep and I never heard of it. And it's just really fun to see like have people tell me more. Like, like the, I think one of them was like a clud, which is a kind of a weird, I think it's a water horse. I'm trying to remember what a clud is now. Oh yeah. yeah it's a, yeah, it's like a, it's like a horrible, yeah, it's like a, like a wolf bat thing like a flaming wolf bat and uh, from like dutch folklore and uh i had never heard of it before and i got to draw one it was really fun there's another one that is a i can't remember the name of it off the top of my head but it's a german uh spirit that's basically a bugbear only it's a raven 
Nice. It's called like a night, like a night, night, like a nicked crop or something, night something or other in German. And I had never heard of that either. And it's like, that's way up my alley. I love it. And so I really like it when, uh, when I have readers who will come, who will do the same sort of research I do and find new creatures to, to show me. Cause I love doing that kind of, I just love, I love finding out about like, I know that I know mythical creatures aren't real, but I like the mythology, like finding real mythology of things that people have thought up and believed in throughout the years that like, yeah, this is a real thing people thought of. And I like, I know like, man, humans are really weird. Aren't we? I just love, I just, I, I think it just boils down to, I love weird factoids and I like to put weird factoids into my work. And that's also one of the reasons why I like doing paleo art so much. Cause I like finding weird creatures that existed and being like, Hey, look at this weird thing. And it's the same as Skindeep. It's like, hey, look at this weird thing I found. Hey, look at this weird thing. Hey, did you know there's, there's, a, there's an abandoned theme park in Arkansas? Hey, look at this. Yeah, like, I was actually felt like when I, my friend Ross found one. I thought, oh, that'd be kind of cool in that comic. Have you heard of the uh, the Cobra Scare of 1953? I have not. The Cobra Scare of 1953. In spring, It happened in Springfield. A... Uh, like a bunch of uh, like people thought that like you know like several hundred snake cobras escaped from this uh, I guess a uh, like reptile reptile enclosure. Oh my goodness! How have I I'm, I, just, I just looked it up. How have I never heard of this? This is amazing. Yeah, my, well, I found it, my friend Ross actually got a T-shirt on on the anniversary. That's amazing. And, and uh, yeah, the I'm thinking like, oh man, like that'd be that'd be some kind of myth mythology, and they're yeah. like the Cobra Scare of 1953. I'm actually mad that I haven't heard of this before because I tried to look up all the weird things that happened in, in Springfield when I was living there, and I hadn't. I missed this one. That's awesome. That's another thing I like about like just weird factoids is that like even if you do a whole ton of research, there's still stuff that you've never heard of before. Yeah, uh, there's also another thing I'm actually kind of glad you left out, <laughs> and that and that's and that's like you know actually like crossbreeding like half this half that. yeah that that was born kind of from like when i first started the internet uh i was super into like the sonic the hedgehog fandom and furry fandom in general and oh, yeah. all furry stories like not all of them but like at the time they all ended up with if you have people who are half this half that and then their offspring or they're like if you have people who have offspring that are end up being like a half this half that thing then eventually you just have just a bunch of nonsense animals that don't make any sense. And I wanted to try to avoid that because I didn't want to have a, like, oh, yeah, my mom was this and my, and my dad was that. And so I'm quarter this, quarter that, quarter this, and I look like nothing. Yeah, that that, that, that's, that gets into chimera territory, and that just gets weird. Yeah, and I, and I have a couple, like, I have, like, Ike is a character that is a crossbreed. That, but, like, his whole thing is that it's not supposed to happen, and sometimes it does, and that is weird. And, and that's the thing I love. Yeah, yeah. There's no one's holier than thou. It's like no, both sides have prejudices. Oh yeah. And... I, I that's one of the things I really wanted to to uh, to to do as well is that there's no like like the humans aren't the bad people and the myth- mythical creatures aren't the good people. It's just differing di- different points of view and different ideologies, different uh, 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 like priorities. And yeah, uh, it's. And yeah, yeah, I love the fact that yeah, they they know what a television is. They probably flown on planes. <laughs> because yeah, you know, I've had some I've had some stories and some games run by people who yeah, they, they say like you know they'll bring a rubber duck like well what is this like, <laughs> like you know what like you know what this is come on and I've seen several different like fan comics of oh sorry my now my dishwasher is going off. Oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> Your dishes are clean. They're done. Like I've seen different uh, like Harry Potter fan comics of like, oh yeah, Hermione showed me this pen. Isn't this an amazing invention? We don't have to use quills anymore. It's like, why, how, do, how, did, how did this place, this whole like culture survive if they don't have pens? Like, Yeah, it's kind of like, uh, man, I'd hate to see you. I'd hate to have you look at the space shuttle. Yeah, right? And it's just like, that was, yeah. I mean, I, I, I've been ragging on Harry Potter, but I do love, I love Harry Potter. But there were some things when I was a kid, I was just like, that doesn't make any sense. Actually, when I, when I was in high school, I had a Harry Potter fan character who, uh, her speciality was to be able to fix technology so you could use it with magic. Mm. So she could have like a, so she could have a CD player that played music when she went to Hogwarts. <laughs> nice. That was the whole thing. So she, she didn't want to ditch her tunes. Yeah. And actually I, we did a Harry Potter campaign too. I was playing a total drug druggy kid. <laughs> like, you know, you know, I brought like, I brought cans of whipped cream so I could do whippets with <laughs> And I was very heavy into potions. Yes, that's great. That's great. Uh, and that was all the other thing I like. like you, you just avoid a lot of cliches. Thank you. I, I try I, so, hard. You know, like, you don't have, I, I, don't know, I don't know what's in the future, but you don't have some weird order of the church that's job is to hunt down mythical things and kill them. Oh, no. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, that, like the most, that's another thing with like, everyone's like, well, how, how come no one's discovered the, the mythical creatures yet? And I'm like, well... Like, they kind of have some have, some have right? and then yeah some have and it's just like like most people who live in the world they're like well nothing bad's happened yet so yeah it seems it's where most of the ones that discover seem to be friends of someone who's already in that yeah community. yeah I just, I just kind of think about like how like i'm trying like there's still people who are discovering new big animals that we've never we've never heard of before and like it's not that, like they didn't exist just we just kind of stumbled over them like, oh that thing exists and uh same with like, uh, oh, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> totally lost my train of thought. But yeah, and, and like the same also with like people who sometimes I have some readers who get uh, annoyed that I don't fully explain how magic works. And I just think about, I think of it a lot like if you ask someone off the street, like ask me how a computer works. Like I use it every day. I have to use it to survive. And I don't know how it works. You plug it in and it goes ding and it works. And so that's why like, I wanted to have a lot of people like these people that use these medallions uh, as a, the essential part of their lives, but they didn't make them. They just know how to use them. Well, yeah, as Finn said, Finn said, like, it's super advanced magic yeah. stuff. Yeah, right? and, like, no one knows how to make them, even though, like, they use them all the time just because they, like, they weren't the ones to make them. They just know how to use them. Like, I know how to use a TV. I couldn't build one for you. Yeah, I'm sure, but, you know. But, or these these elders who you haven't introduced yeah. yet. I've been trying to think of the, the best way to introduce them. Because I, I, that's one of those one things like, hmm, like, all right, well, I better know about that at some point. Yeah, there's I'm going to go crazy. They're the, uh, like the, the only really kind of ruling uh, group of uh, elders of the Avalon that I've kind of talked about a few times. Mostly they're just like the, the village elders that make decisions about stuff. It's basic, excuse me. It's basically what they are. They're not, it's not like a huge mis- mysterious like uh, Illuminati sort of deal. It's just they're the old people that li- have lived there for a long time, and they decide whenever something happens, <laughs> what goes yeah, on. Yeah. Kind of the gentleman's club of the a group. little bit. And like when you have like I, I have it set up that like the Nemean lions, since they're such a powerful species, like they have a little bit of a governing body of like the the pride leaders that if you step out of line, they can punish you for things. But it's very loosey goosey kind of. Nothing is really like. Uh, 
super secret society sort of thing. And I, I've been trying to figure out the best way to introduce like that whole part of Avalon. But if anyone's like expecting it to be like this huge, like reveal of these amazing characters, it's going to be like, well, it's going to be like, Oh, there's the vet. And there's a, uh, the old guy from this head of the family. And there, there's, there, there's Vito Corleone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess I, I, you know, it's basically, I don't think there's a character in the story that I haven't liked. Oh, thank you. That's another thing. You really know how to do characters well. That's another thing. Like some web comics, like the art is phenomenal, but I, like it's basically like these characters. Like the characters are cliched messes. <laughs> Thank you. I try really hard to get. I mean, I have a ton of characters because I like different characters, but I, I try really hard to make each one of them different, or at least have like a different kind of point of view or something about them. Yeah, yeah, I love the main cast. I, I suppose I even, I think I even love that. I forget his name now. The poor guy that's looking like he might be a male. Heartland. Oh yeah, Anthony. Yeah, that poor guy. <laughs> yeah, he's poor guy. He's got a lot of things he has to work through. He's kind of the, like the, the opposite of Michelle, where like Michelle, she doesn't like what's happened to her, but she realizes that like basically what's, what's going on in the comic right now is that she's realizing that she can't just like not deal with it she's got to figure six like, okay well i this is happening i guess i might as well just buckle up and yeah. it. and whereas anthony's just like no i don't want to any of this well also like, michelle was technically always what she was yeah that's true and uh so i guess i kind of like having the idea of like the two different characters that have uh just that they they have completely different perspectives on what's happened to them even though what's happened to them is, is very fairly similar all right, and I though I and I gotta ask, I you don't I know I don't want spoilers or anything, but <laughs> I know you you kind of have an overall meta plot as well as just kind of stories off to the side. I, it's like so, it's like you think the meta plot's gonna get huge and apocalyptic, or just stay pretty much character focused? Uh, I want to keep it more character focused. That's one of the reasons why it's taken me so long to get back to like Michelle's story because hers is is obviously the more like plot heavy, uh, like status quo changing of the stories. And I, I, it's, a, it's a lot easier to write this kind of like the slice of life with monster people stories. And so like Michelle's plot definitely is going to shake some things up, but I, uh, hopefully it won't be too weird and I won't, don't want to lose people. <laughs> oh no, no. Yeah. I, and I, I can't, it's too different from what that's been, been doing for 10 years. So I don't want people to like, well, this really jumped the shark and turned into something I don't like to read anymore. Or they already find it, or or goes are the Gozarians about to appear in New York yes. City, and we got <laughs> we got to stop that. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> okay, well, um, I think that kind of about covers everything. Unless you uh, like anything else you want to like throw out there for the uh, for, listen, for the listeners out there. Uh, not that I think off the top of my head. <laughs> All right, I, I then I think then I think the knowledge has been successfully okay. conveyed Yay. in just under an hour Yay. too. All right, well, uh, Corey Bink, thank you very much for your time here. Thank you very much for having me. And you can I continue to like please continue to make that comic. It's so I mean, it went on hiatus for a while, and I yeah. I kind of like it's, I got a little PTSD again probably after after this story, but it'll always come back. It's been coming back for ten years. It'll always come back. Like, it's like it will always be here. It will. It will. All right. Well, thank you very much. And um, 
This has been uh, Role Playing Public Radio, and all of you have a nice day. Very much.